Hi, this is Ben Lowell, and welcome to Back to the Bible Canada with Dr. John Newfeld. Continuing our series, The Ten Commandments, we're going to turn in our Bibles to Exodus chapter 20, verse 16, as Dr. Newfeld brings us a message entitled, The Battle for the Truth. brothers had terrorized a small town for decades. They were unfaithful to their wives, abusive to their children, and dishonest in business. Then the younger brother died suddenly, and the surviving brother went to the pastor of the local church. I want you to conduct my brother's funeral, but it's very important to me that during the service, you tell everyone my brother was a saint. Well, the pastor responded, I can't do that. He was anything but a saint. Well, the wealthy older brother pulled out a legal contract from his briefcase. Reverend, I'm prepared to give the church $100,000. All I'm asking is that you publicly state that my brother is a saint. If you say during your sermon that my brother was a saint, you have to say those very words. Well, then the $100,000 belongs to your church. In fact, my accountant will be there, and I've instructed him that as, as soon as you say this man was a saint, the money will be automatically transferred to your church account. I've already signed the agreement and your words recorded on tape will verify that you've kept your end of the bargain. Well, the day of the funeral arrived and the pastor began the eulogy. Here's what he said. Everybody knows that the deceased was a wicked man. He was a womanizer, a child abuser, and a drunk. He terrorized his employees, he cheated on his taxes, and he drove his competitors out of business with his unethical practices. But as evil and as sinful as this man was compared to his brother, this man was a saint. (laughs) Well, you know, 2,000 years ago, Pontius Pilate stood before Jesus and asked this searching question, what is truth? Indeed, that question sounds hauntingly contemporary. A professional athlete will stand before a congressional committee and testify that he never used banned substances. You know, presidents and prime ministers have denied and misled. Entire nations go to war by subverting the truth. The intelligence industry of most nations wouldn't be able to exist without constantly lying. Whether it's popes or televangelists, we have become so accustomed to religious and political leaders lying, we're almost numb to it. What is truth, asked Pilate? Is all of life simply a matter of perspective? Is it a matter of semantics? Is it just words? What is truth? You know, we've been studying the Ten Commandments, and today we've come to the ninth found in Exodus 20, verse 16. You shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. You know, to the most part, this command dealt with legal matters. You know, for instance, three chapters later, the book of Exodus helps explain this command. And I'm reading Exodus 23, verses 1 to 2, and then verse 7. It says, you shall not spread a false report. You shall not join hands with the wicked man to be a malicious witness. You shall not fall in with the many to do evil, nor shall you bear witness in a lawsuit siding with so many so as to pervert justice. Keep far from a false charge and do not kill the innocent and righteous, for I will not acquit the wicked. Or listen to very similar words found in Deuteronomy 19, 16 to 21. If a malicious witness arises to accuse a person of wrongdoing, then both parties to the dispute shall appear before the Lord, before the priests and the judges who are in office in those days. 
The judges shall inquire diligently, and if the witness is a false witness and has accused his brother falsely, then you shall do to him as he meant to do to his brother. So you shall purge the evil from your midst. You know, on the one hand, the ninth command is to be understood as what happens in a legal court of law. So, for instance, if you give false witness in a murder trial, the false witness will be subject to the death penalty. Wow. That would get you to think long and hard about telling the truth. So what you then find in the ninth commandment is the legal system's battle for the truth. And that's not just true in the Old Testament. It's actually true in every country in the earth that wants to pursue justice. Courts are in a battle for the truth. They can't afford the philosophy professor or Pilate's vague wrangling about truth. They have to get at the truth. And so they pass libel laws against at least four things. The first is perjury. The second is slander or libel. The third, false accusation. And the fourth, broken contracts. You know, I have a good friend who practices law in the city of Saskatoon, and I once asked him to explain to me why the courts go through the ceremony of swearing in a witness. And he told me that sometimes a witness will completely change their testimony after the swearing-in ceremony because, in his words, we've scared the truth into them. He called it the cult of the court, saying, we have to create an environment that has the potential to frighten someone so they won't do what they normally do, lie. In other words, the courts take into account that human beings are innate liars. And that's the extension of the ninth command. The ninth command tells us not to lie. But that's a tall order because every human being is a liar. You know, some time ago, a psychologist in Southern California asked a group of subjects to keep a detailed journal on their lying. Every participant in the group confessed that they had lied at least once every single day. That would include exaggeration or made-up details in a story. Some confessed after they counted it up that they lied as often as 50 times a week. You know, since all these people were liars, we have no way of knowing whether the data was actually accurate. But, but think about it. 50 lies in a week equals 2,600 lies in a year. In 40 years, that's close to 100,000 lies. Who can believe someone who's even told 10,000 lies? And if you only tell a portion of those lies, who would believe someone with 10,000 lies? Surely this is the problem with all of us. We're all people of the lie. We exaggerate, we embellish, we mislead, we shade the truth, we lie. You know, add to that, wrote psychologist Dr. Bella DiPaolo, people who describe lies told to them really laid it on thick. But people describing the lies they told always did it in a way that made them look better. In other words, we not only lie, but we're hypocrites in doing it. We excuse our own lies and we condemn the lies of others. Truly, we are a miserable race. I would like to read Ephesians 4, 25 to 31. You know, in a very real way, this passage is a New Testament commentary on the ninth command and, and how the ninth command should be worked out in the local church. So, so let's read it. It says, therefore, having put away falsehood, let each of you speak the truth with his neighbor, for we are members one of another. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger and give no opportunity to the devil. Let the thief no longer steal, but rather let him labor, doing honest work with his own hands, so that he may have something to share with anyone in need. 
Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up, as fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you along with all malice. Now, before I develop six reasons that we have for lying, let me define what I'm talking about. If a person makes a mistake, he thought he saw the accident on 4th Street rather than 5th Street, he's not lying, even though he's not telling the truth. A lie is any deliberate attempt to deceive someone. You hear me? It's a deliberate attempt, an attempt to deceive. So from our passage in Ephesians, let me suggest six reasons why we lie. The first is anger. Paul says, put away falsehood, and then he says, be angry, but don't sin. I think those commands should be linked. You know that anger will often lead a person to lie. In our anger, we sin. Someone has made us angry, and we look to tell someone else, and in so doing, we add a few details, and details that, well, we stretch the truth. We lie. We need to let others know we're justified in our anger. We have righteous anger, and in order to make the point, we add a few details, and when we even convince ourselves that this has happened. You know, I've seen a lot of that in marriage or in business partnerships and families. Anger creates a need to lie. You know, the second reason for lying is in our desire to harm someone. Proverbs 26 verse 28 says, a lying tongue hates its victims. You know that a lying tongue has victims? Oh, yes, it does. Many are the reputations that are destroyed. Many are the futures that are wrecked, the families that are destroyed, the jobs that are lost, all because of lies. One of the prime motivations for lying is hatred. Perhaps we want to hurt a person who has hurt us. Perhaps we're jealous of someone's success and we seek to damage them. All it takes is a well-timed word and the harm begins to flow. We portray someone as a fool or as an opportunist or as an arrogant man or woman or as uncaring, a sexual predator or an evil person. And so we bring forward a charge and, and think about this. This is where the commands start to come together. You shall not kill, you shall not bear false witness, but some of us need to confess that the reason we lie is because we have hatred and murder in our hearts. Well, we've talked about two reasons for lying, anger and seeking to harm, but there are more reasons. This past month was Back to the Bible Canada's International Ministry Month. So on behalf of everyone at Back to the Bible Canada and our international partners, we want to express our appreciation for the gracious gifts that were given to sustain and grow the impact upon these global Bible teaching efforts. The international ministry programming and resources are sent to our partners every month, ensuring a consistent flow of excellence in trustworthy Bible teaching. So please continue to pray and continue to consider how you might support these international initiatives. So call today for more information on International Monthly Partnership or to offer your gift at 1-800-663-2425 or visit backtothebible.ca. reason for lying is simply gossip. You remember when we were children, we played that silly little game. One person whispered a story to someone else, and then we whispered the story to the person next to us. 
all the way around the circle. And do you remember how distorted those stories became? Well, then when we were children, we thought it was funny, but most of the time in real life, it's not. Proverbs 10 verse 18 says, the one who conceals hatred has lying lips and whoever utters slander is a fool. Isn't it interesting that Proverbs puts together our hatred of others with gossip? You know what gossip is? It's hatred. Again, look at Ephesians 4.29. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up, as fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear. Hope you see that. Paul calls it corrupting talk. You know, that word was often used of fruits or vegetables. It refers to spoiled or rotten fruit. Do you know that what you say can spoil a man or woman's reputation? You can damage them by what you say. So can I ask the question, when you talk about others and then suddenly when they come into the room in the middle of your conversation, do you think they would hug you or hate you? So here's a spiritual discipline. Speak well of others when they are not in your presence. Have you broken that? Well, I think we all have, and it is shameful. But you say, what has that got to do with lying? Well, do you remember the words of Dr. DiPaolo? She said, we heighten the lies of others and we justify our own. And do you know we do that in every area? You're on the road and you get cut off by someone, but you excuse yourself when you do the same. Yeah, you do. Why? Because we want to use our tongue to, to justify ourselves. And that's what gossip is. It's telling everyone how much better we are than the one we condemn. And in that, we're lying to ourselves and we're lying to God. Let me suggest two things. Number one, walk away from gossip. Have no part in it. It's the hardest thing to do, but you can train yourself. And second, find ways of speaking well of people. So why do we lie? Well, because we're angry, because we want to hurt, and because we gossip. And fourth, we lie because we're interested in self-defense. Let me ask you something. How often have you lied because you've been caught in a sin? So for instance, Sally, you took off a sick day yesterday. Were you really sick? Oh, I'm caught. If I say yes, I will be shown to be a sinner. So we say, yeah, I had a sore throat and I, and I, and I think it's catchy. And how easy it is to say that, but it went down as smooth as oil. See, Proverbs 12 verse 19 says, truthful lips endure forever, but a lying tongue is but for a moment. In other words, if you tell the truth, you don't have to change your story, but if you lie, oh my, how often do you have to change your story? And you won't end up looking good at all. Fifth, we lie because we love self-promotion. That sounds very much like the last definition, but it's slightly different. James 3 verse 5 says, So also the tongue is a small member, yet it boasts of great things. Oh, we love to embellish our accomplishments and downplay our failures, and that's lying. Sixth, we lie because it adds excitement to our lives. I hate to say it, but some people lie because it's simply more exciting. Some stories sound better if you add something to them, and this way, lying just becomes a course in life. You end up lying without a reason simply because you've trained your flesh to lie. And does it matter? Well, listen to what Scripture actually says. Verse 27, and give no opportunity to the devil. And verse 30, and do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. See, isn't it interesting that in this passage about lying and telling the truth, we read about Satan and about the Holy Spirit. 
that tells us all something very profound. It should be obvious to all of us that not only are there reasons why people lie, but behind all of those reasons lies a great spiritual battle. We have to start by admitting that all lies come from Satan. He's the father of all lying. That's what Jesus said. He said that when Satan lies, he speaks his own native language. Or listen to what James says in James 3, 5 to 6. How great a forest is set ablaze by such a small fire. And the tongue is a fire, a world of unrighteousness. The tongue is set among our members, staining the whole body, setting on fire the entire course of life, and set on fire by hell. Oh, I think we should hear this. Paul in Ephesians 4 combines three thoughts. First, the thought of lying, that's in verse 25, then anger in verse 26, and then allowing the devil to have a foothold into our lives in verse 27. How tragic all lies are in fact our contract with the devil. He lied to Eve in the garden. He lied to Judas when he betrayed Christ. And our lies are our solidarity with him. You can't lie without a spiritual impact in your life. But here's the good news. When we come to Christ through our new birth, we're given the Holy Spirit, and he's called the Spirit of Truth. Jesus said the Holy Spirit would lead us into all truth. And when we lie, we grieve him. The Holy Spirit is urging us to tell the truth, no matter how angry, no matter how we've been hurt, no matter how juicy the morsels of gossip seem, no matter how you want to defend yourself and make yourself look good right now. If you know Christ, the Holy Spirit is whispering inside of you, tell the truth. And this, of course, means that we should know of the great spiritual battle for the truth. It's enjoined in each one of us. Look again at Ephesians 4.31. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you, along with all malice. You know, bitterness, that's smoldering resentment. It's holding a grudge. Wrath, that has to do with wild rage. Anger, that's deep feelings inside. That's living with anger. And clamor, that's the person who makes an outcry. Perhaps it's even punctuated with profanity. And slander, you see, slander holds it all together. And all of this is a battle for the heart, the battle for your tongue. And here's the crazy thing. When you rehearse your hurts, you exaggerate them, and then finally you lie about them. Paul says, look, lay it aside. Don't bear false witness against your neighbor. You know what this is? This is the battle against the self. That's what Paul speaks about in Ephesians 4.22, to put off your old self, which belongs to our former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires. That's Paul's counsel to all of us. Put away your old self. Tell your flesh it can't rain anymore. You know, Gregory Jones was a, a theology teacher, and he was telling about a discussion he had in, in one of his classes on the subject of ethics. They were discussing a statement by Augustine that every lie is a sin. He said a discussion broke out in class about what to say if Nazis come to your door and ask if you're sheltering Jews. You know, one student said that Augustine would never be so hard-hearted as to say that lying about that was a sin. Another said that we're way too uptight about personal issues like that. In other words, just loosen up a bit. And then Jones said one of the quieter students in the class intervened. And here's what she said. Could it be that the problem is less in the questions than in ourselves? 
You know, we're talking about sheltering Jews from Nazis because we see ourselves as basically good people who occasionally tell lies for the good, or at least harmless reasons. But that really lets us off the hook far too easily. Most of us find it all too easy to lie, and we don't even tend to notice how destructive our lying becomes. See, isn't that the issue? We're not basically good people who sometimes lie. See, each of us have uttered literally thousands and thousands of lies, and the great battle, well, it's not to figure out what to do when the Nazis come to your door. It's what to do against the mountain of evidence that shows us to be liars. The answer, says the Word of God, is to put off the former self. Stop defending yourself and start speaking well of others. Give yourself away. Ultimately, this is called imitation of Christ. Look at Ephesians 4.32. Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. Let me end with an example. Some years ago, I was in a theology class that had a visiting lecture. The man speaking to us was speaking about leadership, and he was telling about a church where the pastor had run away with a married woman, and then he said, you need to pray for that man. I found out later that he was the victim. That pastor had run away with his wife. He never mentioned this. He mentioned no lies, no slander, just grace and our willingness to pray for others. Let's do the same. John, this seems so relevant to today, sort of this idea of alternative truth or a truth that sort of benefits me, uh, you know, and and it can be a lie. It can be a lie. It can be a bold-faced lie, but if it benefits me, it serves the purpose and all is good. Yeah, especially if I'm not caught, right? Yeah. So I've got it benefiting me and, you know, I can see nothing but benefits and I'm never going to be caught. So, you know, we go ahead and lie. But, you know, it's a very helpful thing to remember that everything that we say, I mean, Jesus said that, you know, every word that we've ever spoken is registered before God. I don't know how we feel about that. I'm so thankful for the cross of Jesus um, that forgives us of all of our lies because our lies are simply untenable before God. Ultimately, it's also true that, you know, our God is the God of truth. And how wonderful that is in this, in this world that gets tainted by exaggeration and lies. A truthful God. Thanks so much, John. And remember to join us again tomorrow as we continue our series, The Ten Commandments, right here on Back to the Bible Canada, where we teach the Bible. You know, we'd love to hear from you. We'd love to know how the ministries or ministry resources of Back to the Bible Canada are impacting your life. What you found most beneficial. Is there a specific resource or medium, a message that has brought blessing and encouragement into your life? Not only do your notes and emails offer encouragement, but they allow us to know how we can provide effective Bible teaching ministry. These are challenging days, and we believe the church is strongest when we commit ourselves to being people of the Word. Our mission is to build you up in God's Word and to grow faithful disciples for His church. So touch base, would you? Email us at info at backtothebible.ca or visit us at backtothebible.ca and click on contact and leave your message there. 
We're so grateful for all you do to support this Bible teaching ministry. For more information or to send a gift, call us at 1-800-663-2425 or visit backtothebible.ca.